0: wonderful study for me. It's been so enlightening, so deep, so moving in my own life, and we come to this incredible chapter of 1 Corinthians. I've been looking forward to this, so I'm excited for us this morning. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go ahead and pray. God, as we come to worship and honor you, Lord, we also honor Billy Graham. We thank you for his life and his impact on this world, on this country, and for millions of people who've come to know you, Lord, and be saved. God, our hearts are just aflame, Lord, as with passion for you. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to live for you in the same way, and as we open your word today, I ask God that you would speak deeply into us, that, Lord, that we would have open hearts, that you soften the hard ground in us right now that that you would you would already doing that work god as we've been worshiping you and even in this prayer may your holy spirit come and put our attention upon you soften the hard parts of our heart and help us to learn today to take home lord what you're telling us lord and apply it in our lives so we ask for your spirit now to anoint this time and continue to anoint your word, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I read about this businessman, this businessman who noticed his wife was getting more and more depressed. He didn't understand. He worked hard. He sacrificed for her. He did so much at his work so that she could have a very good life. Well, they finally sat down with a counselor. After listening to them for 30 minutes, the counselor knew exactly what was wrong. He looked at the husband and he said, you must understand, to your wife, it's love that really matters. So without another word, the counselor gets up, walks over to the wife, pulls her up out of her chair, wraps his arms around her and gives her this big, warm hug. Her whole being lit up she fell back into the chair with this huge smile. There, said the counselor as he turned to the husband, that is what she needs at least twice a week. Okay, counselor, I understand now, said the husband, but I can only bring her in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. (laughs) I love that. Well, as we continue our study through the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul teaches the Corinthian believers that it's not so much the gifts, it's not so much the gifts of the Spirit that matter, but it's love. And it's agape love that really matters. So I titled our message this morning, The Love That Really Matters. The Love That Really Matters. Matters. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're only going to look at three verses this morning. Verse 1, 2, and 3. 1 through 3. The love that really matters. And the love that really matters, that love that really matters is this, and this is our outline. Number one, more than some feeling. The love that really matters is more than spiritual gifts. The love that really matters is more than self Sacrifice, And that's what we're going to get into this morning. So let's begin here. The love that really matters is number one, more than some feeling. More than some feeling. Number one in our outline. Take a look with me here now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging symbol we'll stop there now as we begin here i want to first look at this phrase but have not love in verse one see paul is now emphasizing the importance of love so he's saying you can have these things but if you don't have love yeah he's emphasizing what's really important what really matters is love he's emphasizing though the importance of a particular kind of love that the Corinthian believers, that they can't live without. Now, last week, we ended in chapter 12, and if you take a look up at verse 31 in chapter 12, Paul wrote, but earnestly desire the best gifts. You remember I mentioned best, meaning the better gifts. The gifts that that, that help the body the gifts that minister to the body those are the gifts that you really want to desire and we talked about that last time then Paul says in verse 31 of chapter 12 at the end he says and yet I show you a more excellent way and I we close with this verse we learned that there's Paul saying there's something even more better to seek out to have in your life And so Paul's crossing over here into 1 Corinthians 13. Well, they didn't have chapters there, but for us, we're crossing over and Paul's going to talk about what that excellent way is. Now, the word excellent in verse 31, it means like over and beyond. It means like higher than. So Paul is saying, hey, there's something that matters more than the spiritual gifts that he had listed just before that and that he'd been talking about in this whole chapter 12. So there's a more excellent over and beyond, something higher, and then he says, way. And the word way in the Bible many times speaks of how you live, the manner of your living. So Paul's saying, hey, there's a higher way of living your life than just exercising your spiritual gifts, than just, you know, using your spiritual gifts. Now the Corinthians, they thought, well, that was it. The supernatural happens, as we've been talking about, chapter 12, and that's the thing. That's it. That means you're spiritual. But Paul says, no. No. No, there's a higher way of living your life. It's more than that. It's more than exercising those spiritual gifts. And what's that? Well, it's love. It's love. That's why he says in verse 1, but have not love. It's important. You've got to have love. If you don't have love and you do all these things, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's nothing. You must have it. You must, really what he's saying, you must live the love. Now we've come to one of the most important, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been a Christian for some time, you know that. You know this chapter. You know how huge it is. You know how how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is at the same time how convicting this chapter is. These The words in this chapter have been quoted, right, all over in weddings and books and they've been put on, on, uh, you know, within frames and hung on the wall. Even unbelievers in this world know the words of this chapter. William Barclay said, For many... This is the most wonderful chapter in the whole New Testament. And then Barclay said, we will do well to take our time in studying the words. I like that when I read this commentary, I thought, oh, I like that. And you know what? That's what we're going to do. We're going to take our time in this chapter. We're going to spend weeks in this chapter. I'm not sure how many yet, but we're going to spend our times in detail and focusing because this, this is huge in our lives. And if this is the, the most excellent way, if this is, this is more than the story, supernatural gifts that this is over and beyond in the way we should be living then we need to take the time to understand what's in this chapter so the corinthian believers paul is saying basically they thought they were so spiritual with their gifts but paul is really saying hey you guys actually are lacking you have not if you have not loved you you're lacking here Paul emphasizes even love that they're lacking. Later in 1 Corinthians 16:14, he says, "Let all that you do be done with love." Now that word "love" in 1 Corinthians 16:14 is the Greek word "agape agape and we understand that word right it, it, it means unconditional love it means selfless love it means giving without expecting a, anything in return it means just loving even when that person doesn't deserve it it's an action not a feeling not some feeling you get it's a, it's a supernatural spiritual love and that's what Paul is talking about and guess what here in verse one Look at verse 1 again when he says have not love, he's saying have not agape. It's the same Greek word in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. He's saying look, it's more than the spiritual gifts. Love is important, more than what you're doing here. It's more than some nice feeling you get. He uses the particular word agape. So here's the thing I want you to see right away. Paul points out that this love, the, or I should say it this way, Paul points out it is love that was lacking and not just any kind of love, but the unconditional agape love. And, and so get that in your minds. This is, this is what, as we come into 1 Corinthians 13, Paul points out it is love that was lacking and not just any kind of love, but the unconditional agape love. A teacher asked uh, her class and particularly a boy in her class suppose your mother baked a pie and there were five of you in your family what part of the pie would you get? The boy said a fourth. Wait said the teacher. Your fractions are a little off here. Remember there's five of you. Yes I understand said the boy but you don't know my mom. She would say she didn't want any pie. I like that. Well, agape is like this mom, selfless, giving, not mattering mattering about herself. As we get into this chapter, as we understand it's about agape love, do you love with this kind of love? Is agape love even important to you? Many times, you know what what happens, and, I, and I, I confess, I'm convicted in this, you know. I default into some feelings of love, or, or I default into some different ideas of love. Yeah, if I feel it, then okay, I'm going to love you. But if I don't feel it, oh, no, I'm not going to love you. Yeah, That's not what agape is about. This is not what Paul is pointing to about. Agape is an unconditional love today we have many words for love right we have like oh oh i love simon on a cold day yeah i love but i love my wife it's not that same kind of love right we use the word love really in 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 a broad sense but the greeks actually had four different kinds of love that they would use paul is focusing on a he's pointing out a the love that you're lacking it's not just any kind but it's agape love we're talking about and he uses the word agape but i have not agape here but the, the greek in that culture back then in their language they actually had four different kinds of words for love i should say The first word they would use is eros, E-R-O-S, eros. And that was used for this intense physical type of love, physical desire. We get our word erotic from that Greek word. It speaks of that physical love, sexual love. I was thinking, hey, today many secular songs have the word love, you know, in their lyrics. But they really mean eros, yeah? That's what they're really talking about. There's a second word that the Greeks would use for love, and that's storge, storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, storge. And that was used for the love between family members, between family members. I was thinking about the love that we have between our family. Kristen and I have tried to instill in our kids that, hey, we're family, you know. And not only does a family do things together, go to places together, you know, as we're raising our kids, uh, you know, we eat together, we pray together, and you know what, there's love here in that when we go through things, we get through things together. We stick together as a family That's that love, that's storge, that love the Greeks would use, the word they would use, that love between family members. Now similar to that, storge is another word they would use, is phileo, you probably heard that word, P-H-I-L-E-O, not kaleo, phileo, phileo, right? It means brotherly love, I mean Philadelphia, right? It gets its name from that. But it talks about that deep love between close Friends, Sort of like in a family sense, but this is in a friend sense, yeah? The family sense, your blood. In a a friend sense, it's that friendship. Phileo, for that deep love between close friends. In John chapter 11, when Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus' grave, you know what the jews saw jesus weeping and in verse 36 of john 11 the jews said see how he loved him see how jesus loved lazar they used the word phileo phileo see how that 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 friendly you know friendship deep love he had for lazar so The Greeks used several different words. Eros, that intense physical desire. Storge, that love between family members. And then similar to that, phileo, that deep love between close friends. But there was another word for love that the Greeks would use. And that is what I already mentioned. Agape, that unconditional love. And that love was like the highest level. That love was above the family love, the storge or the phileo. It was way above that. It was this, this, this unconditional kind love you just love. David Gutzik wrote, it is a love, and he described it this way, it is a love that loves without changing. I like that thought. It gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable, and then he says that loves even when rejected. That kind of helps us get an idea what that really means, what agape is, what what unconditional love really is. Now you know what's interesting in the ancient Greek literature, the Greek word agape was hardly used. It was hardly used. I was thinking, I read that I thought, huh? Oh well, you know what, we've we were we've been learning, right, in the society, in Corinth, in the Greek society, I mean, the people were really more selfish. It was more about them, right? And they, they were into the whole sexual stuff and all that. So, okay, I can understand that. So in the ancient Greek literature, you don't see agape that much. But in the New Testament, that word is constantly used isn't that great why is that well because that's the kind of love that god loves us with that's why i mean think about it john 3:16 right for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son right the word love there in john 3:16 guess what greek word that is agape Right? God so unconditionally, selflessly loved us. Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died first. That's, that's God's love. That is incredible, deep love. So the best way to describe God's love is agape, the highest level, that unconditional level in the Greek. So they chose that word to use and describe God's love because that's what it's about. That's how much God loves us unconditionally. That's how the level of love that he has. Interesting, John 13, 1, in the last part of the verse, it says, he loved them to the end. Speaking about Jesus. Jesus loved the disciples. Jesus loved the people. Jesus loves us to the end. And you know what's interesting? To the end, to the end, in the original language, means to Perfection. In other words, Jesus loves us with a perfect love. And you know what that love is? Agape, that unconditional love. With that highest level of love, agape. And so with that, we also find in the New Testament that agape, with that unconditional, selfless love that God has for us, you know what we find in the New Testament? He takes that same love and pours it into us romans 5 5 and then guess what the very first fruit of the holy spirit in galatians five twenty two is what love agape isn't that great i was like putting it all together my mind's like going whoa that's awesome paul says the most excellent way right it's love no wonder it's the first fruit of the holy spirit it's love that is important and so god who loves us with agape pours into us that agape why so that believers can love each other with agape and get get this we also find in new testament that it also proves we are children of god it proves that we belong to god it proves that we've been saved and we're a new creation take a moment turn to the right to first john first john turn to first john chapter four some of you have your your tablets or your phones click to first john chapter four our modern vernacular here yeah tap yeah so First John chapter 4, some of you guys old school, we still can't turn pages, but me, hey, I got an iPad, so I click now. First John chapter 4, look at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And then verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now every instance of the word love there in these two verses is guess what Greek word? Agape. So look at it that way, beloved. Let us Agape one another unconditionally love one another why because agape is from god and whoever agape has been born of god and knows god so if you're really a child of god if you say hey I, I i'm a christian i know jesus do you really where's the agape that's the idea here verse 8 john says anyone who does not agape love unconditionally does not really know god because god is agape he's love that's what he is love that's his character there isn't this heavy this is this is heavy this is convicting this is like whoa god i fall so short here let me ask you again is agape important to you in your life is it to to reach for that goal to work on your heart and your life to have that agape in your life. I think sometimes we're like, I mean, we've studied this before, the word agape and what it means, but, you know, sometimes we're like, yeah, agape, but, you know, it's one of those things I'll never attain, or it's one of those things I'll never get. And so you just kind of put it to the side and you just live your life. yeah. But God is saying, no. I pour it into you guys. You guys got to understand it. Paul is saying, this is the most excellent way. If you have not agape, something's not right here. You got to get this in, in your life. Let me ask you, what is your like default kind of love? You know, some of us, yeah, we try. Some of us, we, we you know, yeah, we, we have our principles, you know, or maybe how we were raised. And so, so, so we try and, you know, yeah, you know what, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to love them more than they love me or, you know, so you try. So you try your hardest, you know, phileo, phileo, yeah, phileoing, you know. What, what, is, what is your default there? maybe you grew up with that storge kind of love so you understand what that means so, so, so you can do that storge oh yeah family yeah okay and, and you know I was thinking that's a great thing you know, to have in our church because we're a, we're a family we should have the storge we should be for, there for each other thick and thin we should love in that way and that's a wonderful great thing but Paul's saying no it's higher it's higher it's agape it's unconditional love it's another step higher than that where do you default to Eros, storge phileo is is love to you just some feeling yeah and that's how you run well when i feel it then i'll love you but if i don't feel it i'm not gonna love you if you make me feel hurt i'm not loving you yeah a lot of times we default to that right in our flesh, in, our, in the situations we face, God is calling us to a higher calling here. God wants agape to define us. Does agape define you? It should. We're reading here 1 John 4, 7, 8, right in front of our eyes. It, it has to be agape. Oh, I'm convicted here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, Lord. We should be defined with agape during world war ii a french widow switched ids with this hebrew lady who was being chased by the germans why would you do this for me asked the hebrew lady lady this christian widow said it's the least i can do christ has already done that and more oh i love that answer yeah Well, within six months, a Christian widow was dead in a German concentration camp. But the Hebrew lady, she accepted Jesus Christ. You see, the world doesn't know this kind of love. The world only sees the other kinds, and more of the Eros kind, if anything. Will you, will I show this kind of love the more excellent way? well let's move on here now to number two more than spiritual gifts more than spiritual gifts the love that really matters is more than some feeling it's on a higher level uh the love that really matters is number two more than spiritual gifts and in here we're going to get right into back to first corinthians 13 now back to verse one we're going to get into this verse now Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now with this understanding of the kind of love we are to have... Let's really look at what Paul is saying here. He says, though I speak with the tongues. What is he talking about? He's talking about the gift of tongues, which is praying or even praising in an unknown language that was, has been given to the receiver. We've been talking about that, right? In chapter 12, we've gone over that, and more so, I keep telling you, verse, chapter 14, we're going to really get into it. Now, notice Paul says here, tongues of men and of angels. So tongues of men is like known languages or maybe once known and they died off because the people died off and unknown uh, heavenly language is the uh, tongues of angels. So we have known languages or unknown heavenly language basically that no one knows this heavenly language. So whether it's a known language on earth or an unknown language of heaven, Paul saying if you have that gift of tongues with that kind of language if you have not agape love all that you say is, is become or becomes a sounding brass. And now what is sounding brass? It, it means a gong. It means a noisy gong, the NLT translation that way, or a clanging cymbal. In other words, it's just noise. There's no meaning to it. There's nothing to it. Just a, a hitting a gong or hitting a cymbal. Sorry, Jordan. But uh, it, it's meaningless. You know, you can't, you, you don't know what it's really saying or anything like that. So Paul's saying, in other words, speaking in tongues or even a heavenly language is nothing if you don't have love. Notice something here too. Paul puts tongues first on this list. Because why? Well, we've been learning tongues was so highly praised in the Corinthian church so that, you know, that was the thing, right? They, having that gift meant they were spiritually above anyone else who didn't have that gift. So Paul, guess what, puts this first on this list. But we know that kind of attitude of, I'm better than you, is not loving, right? And if you have that attitude, I'm better than you, then it, Paul's saying, hey, it's like that annoying gong, gong, bong, or symbol, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nothing, yeah? Yeah. And, and guess what, I think Paul is put, pulling in the idea that the, how the pagan temples back then used gongs and symbols in their idol worship services I think we can say that that's the way God sees tongues when there's no love well he goes on in verse 2 and, he's, and he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy let's stop there So with the same thought in mind, with the same heart, and what he's trying to bring in this message, now he lists the gift of prophecy. And we learned that too in our last chapter. The gift of prophecy is when God gives this special word or prediction through a person, a message for the church or a person. So again, the Corinthian believers, they prided themselves with this gift. They thought, well, hey, I'm better than you guys. I'm more spiritual. But if this quote-unquote word from God is done without agape love, it's nothing. It's meaningless. And, and really, we're, we're, we're getting that meaningless from the end of verse 2. And we'll get to that in a moment. So if this word of God is done without agape love, it's, it's nothing. It's meaningless too. John Phillips said, love is an indication of new birth. Prophecy isn't. I love that. Then he goes on in verse 2, the next part. He says, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Next year, Paul is talking about the word of knowledge, which is when God imparts knowledge that is beyond the ability of the receiver to know, just as we learned back in 1 Corinthians 12, 8. So Paul brings that kind of thought, the word of knowledge, to this highest level by saying, yeah, say you get the gift of knowledge and, and now you understand, notice, all mysteries of God's truth. And all, you get, you're given all knowledge there. Paul's saying, see, you can hold supernatural knowledge, yet without sharing it with agape love, it's nothing. It does nothing. Think about Jonah. Remember Jonah, the prophet in the Old Testament? He had the knowledge of the true God. He knew who the Lord was. He had he 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 knew God's uh, uh, holiness. He had that knowledge. He knew that God would judge an evil, sinful Nineveh, right? But he also knew God's mercy too, and so he refused to preach to the Ninevites when God told him to, and he went the other way. Remember the whole Jonah and swallowed by the whale and everything like that. He knew that God would have mercy on them if. the the city would repent and they did right and just like he knew right he he hated that he went up on the hill sat there under that tree right and a worm ate the tree and he was all upset you know and everything like that what was wrong with him he didn't have love he had all that knowledge but he did not love the Ninevites so it was like nothing and then the last part verse 2. Paul then says, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So now Paul adds this on the list. Though I have all faith, all faith, that's that gift of faith we talked about. So, if he has that gift of faith, so much so that I can remove mountains, like mountain moving faith, this incredible faith, but have not love, have not agape. Notice Paul says, I'm nothing. I amount to nothing. In other words, there is no honor, even in having great faith, that if you don't have love, you lose respect. You lose honor. I read about a man who was told by the doctor he needed to take time off work and rest for it was affecting his heart when he called his boss to tell him what was going on who was actually this well-known christian leader in the community you know what his boss said his boss told him i have inner strength that enables me to carry on it's like like what's wrong with you something's wrong with you if you don't have that faith yeah what's wrong with you yeah where's the compassion where's the love there's you know after you hear someone say that it's like oh there's no respect there's no more honor in that so in all of this we see love is more important than any of the spiritual gifts do you see that so Paul is, that's his point love is more important than any of the spiritual gifts remember the Corinthians in their mindset oh it's the gifts it's the supernatural happening and that's what it is it's God moving and they that's it Paul's saying no Because your pride your selfishness your attitudes here better than the other person you know what it's nothing love is the greatest gift he's going to say later love is more important than any of the spiritual gifts Henry Drummond the Scottish evangelist in, in the late 1800s he wrote this pamphlet called the greatest thing in the world and guess what it was about love agape 1 corinthians 13 he wrote this in that pamphlet you can take nothing greater to the world than the reflection of the love of god upon your own character this is the universal language i love this he wrote it will take you years to speak in chinese or in the dialects of india from the day you land That language of love understood by all will be pouring forth its unconscious eloquence. Then he mentioned and wrote about the missionary to Africa, David Livingston. Drummond wrote, In the heart of Africa, I've come across black men and women who remember the only white man they ever saw before, David Livingston. And as you cross his footsteps, in that continent men's faces light up as they speak of the kind doctor who passed there years ago and then David Drummond wrote this they could not understand him but they felt the love that beat in his heart ho ho I love that I want that agape love beating in my heart listen you see it's love it's agape that connects every act of God yeah it's, it, it, people see that people see the heart people see that then the gifts are useful for the kingdom that the gifts are something but it's love that is there for it. it's love that matters what matters to you what matters more to you agape or your gift agape or your ministry agape or or serving God. I know, you guys, it's easier to just serve. It's easier just to do things. It's easier to, to, to help out here or, or, or come and even pray for someone. But to have agape love when they're not nice to you, when they hurt you, to have agape love, yeah, when, when they do something against you or, or, or when, they, when your expectations aren't there anymore that's hard i understand but paul says you know what love is more important than any spiritual gift anything besides true ministry is compassion isn't it true ministry is love isn't it i mean if we serve with this critical judgment always upon the people, always saying, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you know, they're like this and they need this and they're, they're like that. You know what, that's, that's this kind of high macha macha thing, right? Yeah. Where's the love in all that? If you're like that, you're missing what is important. You're missing out. If, 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 you're, if, if that's your default way, watch out no. Because you know what's under, what's in there? Pride, yeah? I mean, if you're even sitting here right now and you're thinking, oh, this message is so good. Oh, the word is so good. It's good for her. It's good for him. Yeah? Right? You're already in that mode. You're already going, yeah, I'm better than you. Yeah? What? Have you arrived at the agape love? Are you loving that person you're pointing your finger at with agape right now? No. No, that was the Corinthian believer's problem. That was their problem. Is it yours? If you're like that, there's, that's a sign you have a problem. Paul is saying love now. Agape is more important than any spiritual gifts, any ministry. Well, let's go on to number three now in our outline, more than self sacrifice more than self-sacrifice the love that really matters is more than some feeling it's more than spiritual gifts and now paul gets into that it's more than self-sacrifice first corinthians chapter 13 verse 3 our last verse for this morning paul says and though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor we'll stop right there here paul moves on to this idea of effort and self-sacrifice and you know i mean that's great that we do that but paul brings it up to the highest level of self-sacrifice in the sense that hey if if i bestow or give all right my goods take everything i have give it away so i can do a noble thing like feed the poor like go above and beyond to do this benevolent act to help someone feeding the poor you know what he's saying, right? If you do all that and it's without love, the giving what? Amounts to nothing. Look at the end of verse 3. He's going to all wrap both these things up. He goes, it profits me nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, You can give everything away. And what does it amount to? Nothing. Years ago, many, many years ago, I had a neighbor who liked to do things for others. They would buy groceries for someone, or give rides, or give money, always helping out doing doing things like that. First I thought, wow, what a heart, you know. Wow, that's so awesome. But then I saw something. I started to see some cracks in that. It wasn't very consistent, actually. It only happened when they wanted to feel good about themselves. The self-sacrifice was really self-serving. When they gave something, she felt good about herself. That she, oh yeah, I'm a good person, yeah. Or, or when she gave, it's like, see, look what I'm giving. I'm, I'm uh, honor me, yeah, type of thing. So it was the self sacrifice seemingly was really self surfing and it wasn't true love. wasn't true agape. Well, then Paul goes on in verse 3, and he says, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So Paul says, though I give my body to be burned. When I give my body, what's he talking about? Persecution. What's he talking about? Martyrdom. What's he talking about? Dying for your faith in Jesus Christ. And at the time, right, believers were being persecuted. At the time, yeah, uh, Nero's going to come down as Caesar and start burning Christians, you know, at the stake and Dipping them in tar and putting them up, setting them up in his garden to be a torch at night. That's all wicked and evil and crazy it was during the Roman time when the persecution really came down. And so Paul's like, oh, if, if, if you really give your, your body in as a martyr, but you have not love. Hey, it's it's nothing, and and I tell you, I was reading that that for some of the Christians to give their body to be burned or or to uh, be martyred, it became a status thing. Oh yeah, look at me, look what I'm doing. Yeah, it, it became a build up yourself kind of thing. Paul saying, if you have not love, you have not agape. Maybe agape for Christ or agape for your fellow brothers or or sisters. You know, like that French woman who. Who replaced herself so she would die for this Hebrew lady. That's love, right? If it's not done with agape, he says it profits nothing. Even going as far as being martyred for for your faith without love, Paul said, you gain nothing. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven you gain nothing so our last point this morning what paul is saying in this verse is any self-sacrifice without love amounts to nothing zero any self-sacrifice without love amounts to nothing zero. One pastor put it this way a super saint who is a loveless saint is really a zero saint <laughs> I like that what matters most is love agape it's not how much you gave yeah. how much of your goods and your, your own things you gave yeah? it's not about that it's not, not about your sacrifice for the Lord yeah. all your effort or, or yeah you lay yourself out for persecution but if you don't have love it's, it's nothing it's nothing think of it this way I like this zero thought think of it this way if we write down a zero for each of the things Paul mentioned here in this list, like one zero for tongues, another zero for prophecy, another for knowledge, another for faith, a zero for giving, and one more zero for, for your sacrifice, being uh, martyred. How many will you have there? You'll have six zeros right there. They are nothing until you put a one in front of it and when you put a one in front of the six zeros what is that one million right is that right yeah Yeah, i got it right one million take away the one it's nothing put the one back it's a million the one is love you put the one in front of the zeros and it becomes a million it's worth a million let me ask you this morning, do you give because it makes you feel good? Do you give because it makes you feel more important? Yeah. Perhaps you give because, well, you kind of show off because, well, you get stuff and you like to give and you kind of show off. See? See how much I give, you know? you. You're impressing people. Maybe you like it when people lift you up for your sacrifice. Maybe you like it because they respect you and honor you rightly so. But if it's not done with agape, it's a big fat zero. Yeah? Or is all you're giving is all your sacrifice all in obedience to God in love? I I, I like this. I I came across this. It's been said, God is the source of love. Christ is the proof of love. The spirit is the seal of love. And our obedience is the expression of love. I love that. There's no greater expression of God's light than showing agape. The agape love of God. It's that kind of passion, you guys, that kind of love in us that makes the difference in every single thing that we do. I'll close with this this morning. A Dutch diamond collector was listening to the salesman as he explained all the technical aspects of the diamond he was presenting. But within minutes, the diamond collector got up to leave and said this was not what he was looking for. Well, the, the dealer, the, the owner here, Mr. Winston, was watching and then intercepted the collector at the door. He asked him, hey, can you give me, can you give us one more chance? If I could personally present this diamond to you again. And the collector said, okay this time now within minutes the diamond collector was signing papers to purchase the same diamond and afterwards the salesman asked mr winston why did the diamond collector buy from him and not me the salesman when he tried well his boss mr winston said this you are the best in the business in this business you know more about diamonds more than anyone including myself and I pay you a large salary for that expertise, but I have something you lack. You know diamonds, but I love them. You see, the difference is the passion. The difference is the kind of love. The difference is the agape. You and I, we can know things. We can do things, but we're not affected until... We realize that it's the love that really matters. Let's pray. Lord God we are very convicted. I am so much Lord just in this study Lord. I lack I fall way behind Lord. God I want to be more mindful. Put my attention to what you want me to do in obedience and even more that what you have poured into us, how you love us, God. What the Holy Spirit's fruit is to produce in me is agape. And what am I doing with that fruit? What are we doing, God? Lord, let us give. Let us love. Let us give that kind of uh, love, agape, God. Let us love each other with the unconditional love. Let us be selfless, Lord not selfish. Let us, God, love without expecting anything in return. Let's love even those who have hurt us and those who have done things to us and those who have cheated us, those who have disappointed us, Lord, those who have not met our expectations, Lord. Let us love because that's the way you loved us. So, Lord, there's only one way we can do this. We cannot drum it up inside ourselves. We cannot like, like, like think positive and get it in us, Lord. The only way is it, it can only come from you, God. You promise in your word that you pour your love out into us, Lord. You promise in, 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 in our heart, Lord. You promise to us that you would, Lord, by your spirit produce it, God. And so Lord, we are here before you Asking, Lord, that you would flow that love through us today and that we would be serious about it, Lord, and grow more in what that means. God, we know all that we do for you, our deeds our serving, the giftedness that you've given us, Lord. It is nothing without love, compassion, Lord. And Lord, let that passion, agape passion, be the difference, Lord. In our light and our ministry to others. So here we are, God, Lord. Here we are. Receive us, God. Here we are, Lord. In all surrender to you. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all